this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to Watching Westworld, the officially unofficial podcast for Westworld on HBO. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 4, Episode 3, Anne Follet. I, I tried. Did I get there? I don't know. I'm I not French. Annie Fola. Annie Fola. Annie Fola. Sure. Uh, <laughs> as we talked about, it means any orifice in French. Uh, yep. In the instant take, we, we got to the heart of that. No, it means uh, the crazy years in French. And uh, that's what we're in. We're in the crazy years of Westworld. We're in the crazy years of the 1920s and temperance. Um, Aaron, what do you think of this episode after watching it uh, a time or two more? Yeah, I uh, I really enjoyed my rewatch. Um, you know, there's a lot of really uh, cool, interesting things that I've been pondering. Uh, there's a couple things I noticed on multiple watches. There's a couple things I noticed after watching it and reading Reddit and watching it again. Uh there's just just an incredible I think this was an episode that um I don't know if it, it revealed a lot is is <laughs> yeah, right but right. definitely definitely kind of like showed that some theories are closer to being right than others I think it definitely gave us a lot of information about what kind of timelines we're dealing with because for sure. sure we're dealing with multiple timelines oh yeah for sure Bernard and Stubbs are not on the same timeline that uh, Caleb and, and Maeve are doing mm-hmm. and it's just like the you know like I said the it's return of the uh, I think engaging puzzle box that um, Westworld is at its best and we yeah. all collectively the super fans are going to try our damnedest to ruin it uh, <laughs> by, by by trying to out puzzle box it yeah right that's the We're thing the- I, I feel like this would have been a big reveal of information if it hadn't been for reading reddit and like the, yeah. the hive mind right figuring all this stuff out because like the stuff with temperance being this park that's essentially it seems like designed both as a trap for, for Maeve and Caleb, but more importantly, as a way to infect humans with the flies yes. was figured out ahead of time. And I was just watching confirmation of the thing I already expected. Whereas this would have felt brand new and super cool if I hadn't. But I will say it man I think it managed to do that because I also don't think they're playing exactly straight with the reveals. Sure. Um, sure. Now, I think that everybody is like noticing the not play, pay, uh-huh. uh, playing straight with the yep. reveals, but so I, don't know. I mean, this I, is I this. I feel like I'm stubs and I'm being led down the path by Bernard, right? Sure. Um, with, with just as much information as I need. And it, it feels pretty good, honestly. It does feel like a return to form for Westworld. On second watch, I had uh, less problems with the, the slow or repetitive, let's say, nature of the temperance stuff. Um, I felt like it was Mm. denser than I realized that first watch through. 
Um, and I don't know, maybe I was just like eager to get to the stuff that I knew was coming that was cooler. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely ha- had settled in on the second watch. And so I thought the episode was really good. Yeah, um, I thought that there's a lot of interesting. Uh, there's a couple interesting things I want to talk about because I don't know where else we do on the little mini creating the Westworld show at the end. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess in the expanded features, a section of Westworld um, uh, on HBO Max. They, they they explicitly said they're going for a Road Warrior vibe, which I think everybody got. Mm-hmm. Um, the other big thing that people clued us into on the Instant Talk podcast, but I know not everybody gets that, is Aurora Perino, um, who is the nameless uh, Mad Max uh, desert rat that shows up to pick up Bernard and Stubbs, gives him a ride, is billed as quote-unquote C. Yeah. Which we, uh, uh, enterprising, because I'd forgotten this already, but in episode one, Caleb, when he sees his daughter Frankie for the first time in the show, calls her Cookie as a nickname. Mm-hmm. So there, people are already kind of hot on the new girl showing up is Caleb's daughter in the future. And they're trying to figure out, like, how did they make that work? But, like, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. almost confirmed at this point. Almost. Um, yeah. I, I do wish that in the show they would have given her any kind of name. Right. Like, I I just want something to call her when I'm talking about her to my friends. Uh, if I'm just a show watcher and I don't like watch the behind the scenes stuff because you couldn't have known her name unless you went and watched the making of Westworld where it's not even said it's, it's just like a a lower third that says C in quotes. So like, yeah, what do I call this person? If I'm trying to tell my friends, Hey, I watched Westworld last night. Do do I call her like the person who shows up in the car and picks up Bernard and takes him to the desert? That's kind of a mouthful. Well, it's a weird cause it's like, I don't know. Like, I can't imagine. So, so I don't know this type of show you talk to, like, casually to friends. Like, oh, yeah, Westworld is this. This is like uh, you could have an Abed from community level conversation with other people who are in the top 1% of 1% of show watchers. But, like, yeah, I, I think most of your friends would be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Westworld is people still watching that show? If you're like, oh, yeah. Th-. So, oh, there are casual viewers of Westworld, certain millions you- of them, or, well, not millions, but. but- hundreds of thousands of them <laughs> hundreds of thousands. there you go yeah. i it's I, I don't in the circumstances that they meet like i don't know that it's appropriate for people to be like introductions when you've got guns to heads and you're deeply skeptical of sure, people's sure. motives and you know uh so so like if next episode they're they are not intentionally naming her it's going to feel intentional but and, just just uh, like throwing a line when he's grabbing the the when new dude who his name we also don't have uh mm-hmm. I think Daniel Wu might be his name uh the actor's name I think mm-hmm. I caught that in the credits um it, it, just have him say where'd you find this guy C where'd you find this mm-hmm. guy any name literally any name I don't need it to be the C name dude uh, yeah <laughs> sure call her dude and that's what I'll call her in the future <laughs> anything but yeah. I, I take your point. It's like, yeah, the, the scenario was not really set up for names. The, uh, the other thing that happened in the Westworld, rea- the creating Westworld reality that I thought was pretty interesting is there's a voiceover where the production people are talking about the black goo. They really lay it out like the black goo is yes. both an attractant that attracts flies to it and also an accelerant that accelerates the infection both in the flies and the hosts. 
and it turns the host blood black. And as the guy is saying this, he goes, when we see black blood, we know the host has been affected. And it shows the scene of all of the quote unquote humans in their glass boxes, you know, blowing their heads off because of the obedience trials. Mm -hmm. No black blood. I know. No black goo. All very red, yeah. very fresh human blood. So I think they are wink, wink, hint, hinting. They're they're engaging in some Reddit uh, theory shit posting on the show. Yeah, uh, in the bonus materials for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. It's it's definitely like makes me think that these are all hosts, right? I think I mean, that's I, a conclusion yeah, did, to draw. Yeah, after watching this thing three times and reading entirely too much stuff about it, I'm pretty convinced that the second they walked into Temperance, it was a trap and it's all put on all engineer. I mean, I don't Mm -hmm. I don't think literally it's all engineered to to get Caleb and and, and Maven dual purpose. Sure. But But, yeah, that was definitely one of the primary objectives and almost everything like. And there is there, there, it's it's like one of those things where it's like the first floor underfloor is a showroom mm-hmm. and is is part of the game. And then they you assume they go down another level and like, oh, this is the real shit. I still don't think it uh, that, that is. It's all just a put on. It's all like a, a Disney dark ride at Epcot Center thing about how we're infecting humans. Now, to what end? I don't know. But like, especially yeah. the timing of like it, and it makes me think. Again, Maeve was allowed to unlock the door. You know, I've got a whole bunch of other theories about what all is going on there. But like, mm-hmm. and the man in black shows up just in time to distract her from saving Kate. Like everything felt engineered um, uh, on that level. So, yeah. And then you have to wonder what that says about the tower and the signal that it's putting out. Right. Um because that we thought was like designed to control the flies, which control the humans. And that seems to not be the case. Only the host can hear it uh, mm-hmm. according to this episode, because Caleb can't. So, um, and, and we, it's, I don't know. I, there are a lot of theories that you can start to speculate with Christina as well, because of this episode, which we didn't see her at all this episode, but I feel like we got information that's pertinent to what she's doing, uh, which we'll talk about when we get to that scene. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, coloring in of the picture here and and getting new information that shed light sheds light on old things, which I'm excited about. The only thing is I integrated most of the stuff I want to say about this episode into my comments of the episode. There's one thing I found on Reddit that was interesting that I that doesn't really fit anywhere. Um, It's it's commentary for a previous episode. Um, you know, when we, when you see Teddy looking up at Dolores or my not Dolores, at Christina in wherever Christina's world mm-hmm. and, you know, they're playing the music and we're feeling like, oh, God, Teddy, it's it's all love. Um, someone posted a screenshot from uh, I think it's late season one. It might be late season two where Ford is talking to Teddy and Teddy is in Teddy mode and he's answering, you know, he's like, there's this girl, Dolores. She's better than I deserve, but maybe someday soon we'll both have the life we've been dreaming of. And Ford says, no, Teddy, you never will. Your job is not to protect Dolores. It's to keep her here. And wondering, like, you know, we've been thinking of Teddy in terms of, oh my God, he's going to be the savior, Christina, but he could be serving to keep her on that, that loop. Mm, I wish I had watched season one more recently <laughs> it's been I a know. damn long time i, I can't, can't remember I like the full context of where he's saying that to teddy and why 
this is Teddy in analysis mode, and it was, it was seen as like taunting him. But like a lot of people are showing that there are, you know, uh, like we talked about in the feedback section last week, the cattle story mm-hmm. that Dolores tells Teddy in season. There's a lot of these connections in season one, season two that. Again, if certain theories are right, are des- are are being designed as like a repeating rhyme or a chorus. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, and and I don't not- know if that's um, predetermined. I don't I don't know if like uh, you know Nolan and Joy are sitting there going, okay, in two seasons we're going to bring this piece of information back and it's going to be significant in this way, or if they're like, you know, I. I really like that fly motif we had going on and it meant this in season one, but let's bring it back for season three see, or for season four rather. And we'll change kind of the meaning subtly of it. Use well, it, that's a, it for reminds two me, purposes. You remember that phrase you used to have in breaking bad, uh-huh. the strip mining the past to yep. improve the future or to build the future. Like it wasn't so much that Vince Gilligan and his crew and breaking bad had every minute detail because there was things in like season two that like the tease things that happen in season three. It's more that these people are fans of their show and they pay attention. And when they're mm-hmm. in the writing room, they're like, oh, my God, we can we can use this connection from previous seasons and make like it's not something to plan out in advance. Yeah. It's just making the most of what you got out there. I, I could go either way with Nolan and Joy. They could have planned a lot of this out in advance, but also they've had a lot of time to go back and rewatch and obsess over their own show and make sure that they are you know, strip mining the past to, to build the future effectively. Yeah. And, and Nolan makes some comment about it in the making of Westworld this week um, that made me think that they had just, you know, kind of latched onto this fly thing this season and said, you know, that could be cool to bring back um, in this particular way. So I, I don't know, but also I wouldn't put it past them to just be sort of saying things that make it seem like, they didn't have this planned out so that when they do the big reveal of their master plan, then it's more surprising. But we'll see. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to get into the recap? I think so. Yeah. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We start off with Bernard entering the sublime and he finds himself in a strange world. Uh, turns out it's a world of his own creation. He meets a uh, who tells him that they have used the one to 1000 year ratio of uh, time dilation in the sublime to simulate all possible paths of humanity's future. Uh, Bernard searches those paths and find finds one which ends in the salvation of humanity. Unfortunately, it also ends in his own death. Yeah, um, that's a big scene. So he can do <laughs> he can do one or one or the other. He can either save humanity or can save himself. He can't do both. He's another. And he seems to choose to save humanity. 
And it's putting that's so that's an interesting thing too. It's um putting himself in another messianic mosaic role. Sure. Um because the thing the, the, the thing that knocked Moses out of the running for the uh, uh, the promised land was a fit of, of pride or um, unwarranted. So I don't, the, the, the Israelites are thirsting. They're dying in the desert um, and exasperated with their lack of faith because every single time the Israelites like, oh, my God, we're going to die because we're going to starve out here. Then God would provide the manna from heaven. Oh, my God, we're going to die here because we get lost. God's going to provide a fiery tornado for them to follow. Like finally Moses is kind of like oh my god are you guys so faithless that you think that we would let you die out here in the desert and he strikes a rock with his magic staff and water shoots out like a geyser from it and God's like hey yo yo uh, you got a mouse in your pocket talking about this wee stuff because I did that I did that and even though you've served me faithfully for I don't know like 80 years you're going (laughs) to die in this desert now old man inside of the promised land so it's it's one of those things where like he saved the people but died himself short of the goal and I wonder if they're going to be something along those lines uh, I can't imagine sure Bernard having a fit of pride or or warrant itself yeah. importance but the symbolism there is still I think uh, useful yeah could be uh, shall I, we also on the topic of Bernard I, I've latched onto this line for some reason and I don't know if it's important or not but there's one thing that Akicha says to him, which is irrationality is a rare flaw in ones like us because he's describing the irrationality of Bernard's position here. Does this make him an outlier of sorts in as far as hosts go as like in terms of Caleb being an outlier? I mean, I mean, yeah, you have to say that, right? If he says it's a rare flaw, then and he possesses right. it. Um, although I also the thing about Akicha, uh, he's 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 talking he seems like a guy who's been kicking around for 20,000 years and thinking about things. (laughs) Sure. So it's like, um, is, is he making a remark about like how the hosts are now after they've been chilling in sublime, um, as elevated beings for eons, or is he talking about like, you know, just baseline hosts Mm -hmm. period, because I've certainly seen hosts do crazy, irrational things, even ones that are, uh, you know, uh, awoken, you know, not the ones on the loops and whatnot. So, um, I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, you know, when you're talking about time and dilation and them spending thousands of years, um, you know, if you take him out, if you take that at its word, he's had 7000 years to to simulate mm-hmm. stuff. So I don't know. But I think, yeah, outlier seems like it makes sense. Yeah. To what end? I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, I will say. There's a lot of stuff uh, going on in this scene and right at the beginning, you know, things get weird because it starts with dad, open your eyes. It's his, it's his fake dead son, right? Um, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie. Yeah. Who was actually Arnold's son who, you know, he was created in the image of. Um, And then we see like a whole bunch of, you know, lattice work stuff, the tower, um, and this is just the stuff we're seeing that Bernard is actively participating in. Then there's like the visions he has as he searches the paths. And that's where I think things get super interesting because all this other stuff is just like, okay, we're finding out how the sublime works. Yeah. Um, what did, so I, I wrote down a description of every one of the brief flashes of imagery that we saw in Bernard. Um, you want me to go over it and you check, check and see if you agree. Sure. I think there's like, for 
image distinct images that are maybe interesting but sure we can go over all okay uh so we see like a, a desert what appears to be a sandstorm probably yeah. who cares impl- you know who cares? Ex- explains ex- <laughs> ex- explains where all the dust is coming from can't see shit might be a nuclear bomb <laughs> yeah uh, there's a, several shots of Hoover Dam complex, a control room, uh, probably. the turbine room, Hoover Dam, yeah. probably mm-hmm. uh, the overflow shaft. I I can't imagine this isn't the the Hoover Dam. Yeah, there's uh, some spiderweb lattice tunnel mm-hmm. that I I think is where Hol- uh, uh, Hale or Holoris is actually living. I don't think it's on the Delos campus. I think we've seen it in the trailer. Hmm. Um, I think it's like her uh, palace or something, but it could be in the Delos campus. I don't know. Yeah. Um, we see the interior of the spider tower, uh, the big white tower, and it appears to be off the coast of Manhattan. Is like that what that across, shot is of the, of the city? Because there's so. a, a yeah a shot from way high up of the city. Yeah, yeah, of, it shows of the interior city. of the spider tower, and it's off the coast. I think it's supposed to be Manhattan, um, Manhattan but I, I didn't again, examine I, the I, I skyline. But we're yeah, we're there's in a, LA though most of the time, right? So like that would be a departure. Well, I think, and uh, they've specifically said Christina is in New York, right? Oh, right, Christina is. So I think, uh, to the extent that there, the tower is connected there. Uh, yeah, it's off. It's off the. It's off the coast. Um, there's a small tree growing at the end of one of these. Those kind of those eternity pools that like have uh, that just meet at the edge and looks like they go on forever. And I couldn't help but think about Del- you know Dolores's tree. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, which also caught on fire when <laughs> when Bernard uh, walked in. Yeah. Which is a very burning bush kind of metaphor, which is also sure. ties. That's when God called Moses um, uh, and, and drafted him into the liberation, Egyptian liberation army. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he spoke to him out of a burning bush. Um, so that was interesting. There's also we see shots of a dusty abandoned temperance several different times and several different angles. One of the angles you can clearly see that C slash cookie slash maybe Caleb's daughter mm-hmm. uh, her her electric Jeep is parked in the middle of the street um, there's also another shot of I think Manhattan downtown um, there's an overhead shot of the lattice same lattice tunnel that's either on a Dalos campus or in Halos's throne room that has those big red riot guards yeah. bots guarding it um, there's a shot of Bernard's hand reaching into like a sand divot for it could be like a beetle or a scarab or it could be the ring that he uses to lift the laser gate. Okay. Um, or it could be a trimmer. We don't know. It, it could, could be the start be of tremors. Tr- yeah. It, and then we see the, sim- the, the, the semi post-apocalyptic diner that start off. And I, I think you're supposed yeah. to understand that these images are taking place backwards in time. Yeah. You got it, a memento thing going. It's certainly possible. I saw that suggested. Um, it's hard to tell for sure though. If I tell you what, if that scarab is a laser gate um, I uh, that he's reaching for, uh-huh. I think I'm going to be very hot on that theory because those are literally the first two things that happen. Well, but we didn't see him picking up this slug beetle whatever thing. Uh, but is it a beetle? I, I was looking at the this 4K image and I kind of thought it looked like the ring. I, yeah, I guess I, maybe. I, I don't know. I didn't get a good look at the ring thing. Um, but I, I thought it looked like a beetle too. Um, yeah, it looked like some so bug to me, I, and I could have sworn it was moving, but I could be wrong about oh, that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, because these I, are just screenshots I, um, that you're looking at. Right. Whereas in the show, 
there was enough of a glimpse of that and they show it several times it's like two or three frames two or three times yeah, yeah. i thought it was but moving, I, but i could be wrong yeah i actually tried to pause and do and i'm like oh god there's got to be a red thread on this and there was because it's <laughs> yeah. uh it, it's it's tough it's tough trying to sort through all that stuff so yep yeah I think it's loosely the outline of his adventures this season. He's going to go to the the ruins of Temperance, which there's our first mm-hmm. clue that we're dealing at an advanced timeline. Then he's going to go. That's going to lead him to uh, Manhattan and the Tower Project there. That's going to ultimately lead him back to the Hoover Dam uh, yeah. a, a project. With the that's Sublime, which, you know, we've seen the big rip in the Sublime coming open at the Hoover sure. Dam. So, I mean, that could yep. all be tied into that. Feels, feels very late season. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, we have talked about like all the theory crafting and all the crazy shit that's going on here. But do you want to talk about the nature of the sublime? You know, this is something that we've speculated on for a long time, um, that there would be this big time dilation that they could then. Uh, and I think with good reason, right? Um, back in season three, I think we were all or no, sorry, season two, we were all but told that that was the case, that it ran faster in the simulation. Yeah, that um, you can run. It doesn't have to run at the same clock speed the real world does. Right. But I, I found it interesting to see that there isn't even necessarily a place that is the sublime for everyone, right? The sublime is different depending on who you are. You can make your own world in there, which is super liberating uh, for one. And B, I think it's a super cool idea. I wonder if we'll ever get the Explorer. Like, are there dark areas of the sublime? Are there are there fucked up hosts? Yeah, probably. Yeah, people living like, in hell know, worlds. Because <laughs> not all those people that were Westworld hosts were good people, programmed to be anyway. N- not mean, not all those hosts were woke either, right? Like a lot of hosts just right, went in as like their Delos programmed host exactly. brains, which were pretty dark and were actually in a lot of ways designed to suffer, right? So. And, and that's what I said. And the only way you can get them to an awakened state is to torture them. That implies <laughs> right? there's some kind of hell version of Sublime that does that until you prove that you've gotten, uh, you know, fidelity <laughs> as a as an actual thinking human being. Who, who's the last host that is still being tortured seven thousand years into the simulation? Like they just haven't attained. Who, who's the milk guzzler? Yeah, who's the milk guzzler? <laughs> right. That the guy, growing boy. Yeah, uh-huh. that guy. One of him. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Probably probably one of the rough and tumble dudes. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe maybe those guys take to the sublime like a duck to water and it's the it's the uptight, uh quiet, keep it to themselves host you gotta worry about. All right, next up, Bernard wakes up in the dusty hotel room where Stubbs is waiting to greet him, and they leave the motel and begin Bernard's journey to save the world. Uh there there's quite a bit going on here that I left out. Um, with the details he's he's sort of like narrowing down the possibilities of what path he's on based on what's happening in the real world uh yeah from from the jokes that Stubbs is saying (laughs) to his meal order he's tracking that he is on the right predicted timeline yeah which i i don't know man um the infinite timeline theory stuff it's real tricky. We talk about this a lot on the Rick and Morty stuff, which is even mm-hmm. more of an infinite timeline. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know that we're dealing with infinite possibilities here, but apparently there are only two possibilities at this branching path, and it's what jo- joke Stubbs makes, not whether he makes a joke, not whether he's present, not whether somebody else is in the room. Uh, just what joke is he going to make? 
Yeah, I I don't have a problem. I I think that stuff is really cool. Um, uh-huh. I like the mysterious. I like uh, Doctor Strange putting his finger on one you know one side of his nose and being like, "There's only, there's 14 million possibilities. You only live through one of them, fucker." Mm-hmm. Like I, I I like that kind of stuff. Yeah, no. I did think I, I mentioned this on instant take, but I was really hoping like when when uh, Bernard woke up and he's gasping for air and he's unstable. It's like I thought we were going to get some ho- some hints to the host physiology that like he hasn't I mean, been breathing do. for kind of. But like nothing. What did why did he gasp for air, for air? Was he star for oxygen? Was this fle- like is he hungry? I feel like it's he more of a surprise a cup reaction. Of um, oh, really? Like it's it, his emotional well, effect. I mean, by not giving by, I mean, they do give us information about it, right? Like he doesn't need to eat in seven years. He's fine. Um, he doesn't Is need that to breathe he's in, in seven years. He's fine. Or 23 yeah, years. He, who he, knows how long it's been, right? Even if you buy he's in some kind of low power shutdown mode, uh, a human being in a coma still has to eat. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I, and but I don't he know comes how out of this. He's not even hungry in the diner. So, right. I wonder if Stubbs has been. Nah, it doesn't look like Stubbs has touched him or done anything. No. Like, he's no. not, like, been shooting him full of, like, some kind of liquid food or whatever. Yeah, he's just been sitting there. Uh-huh. So, I don't think, canonically, I guess, hosts don't really need to eat or breathe. I don't know how they get energy. I don't know how they do their things. Uh, the, clearly, they can eat because Stubbs eats. But, mm-hmm. um, I, yeah, I, 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 I still don't know exactly what makes a host run. At least these flesh and blood ones. Yeah. Um... And we kind of talked a little bit about how many years maybe they've been gone for, um, or Bernard yeah, has as, been gone as, for. As predicted, they had the nice uh, before and after shots at a hotel, and uh, mm-hmm. there wasn't a tree growing through the overhang. It's a pretty big tree. Yeah. Now you can, you know, certain certain uh, like locusts and, and Japanese maples and things can grow that kind of tall and, and big and and you know as short as five to ten years, but. Uh, Implies it certainly that um, a longer time has elapsed than maybe just seven years. Yeah, that doesn't feel like a seven-year-old tree to me, but we'll see. Yeah, and if um, yeah, like uh, you recall the timeline that uh, Solomon was predicting, where there's a mass casualty event six to ten years down the line. We think that corresponds um, to what's happening in Caleb's timeline. Mm-hmm. And there's another mass casualty event that happens 12 and six the 12 to 16 years after the LA riots. We don't know anything about that. And there's a population collapse that happens 23 years into the future predicted. Mm-hmm. And it seems likely that Bernard is somewhere in between the first time uh, line and the second, because if the population collapses, I don't think they're running a diner post-apocalyptic or not in the desert. Um, yeah. Probably you not. Know, with fresh meat and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. The desert's not a great place uh, to be with population collapse. But I don't know. Mad Max would beg to differ. Um, all right. Maeve guides Caleb through temperance, which is exactly like Westworld. And their goal is to get to the lower levels of the park. So they enter the Butterfly Club, which is the stand in for the Mariposa here and wait for history to repeat itself, as Maeve says. Uh, she makes the claim that they spared no expense on their prisons. I'm not so sure about that. They're using all the same Westworld stories. Seems like they did spare. They, at the very least, they couldn't pay to find a suitable replacement for the inimitable Lee. That's the problem is they didn't have yeah. the mind of Lee 
to craft these new the stories. The genius invented the Horroboros. Uh-huh. Uh, they don't have him. <laughs> well, I, I think, and I think this is one of the, because I, I, I think that's explicit because if I'm a rich person that's like excited to go back to a Delos park and I've been to Westworld and I've been to Samurai World and I get here, which was also a thinly reskinned mm-hmm. version of uh, Sweetwater. I get here and I'm like, what the fuck? I paid a hundred thousand dollars to go to the exact same park, right. but I don't think Delos gives a shit because guest satisfaction is not a priority. <laughs> they will come out satisfied one way or another. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, everybody buys the latest Madden, even though I don't think they've updated a bit of that code for like fifteen years. They just load new skins and yeah, names of this rosters. This is a roster and, update and for sure. Collect another sixty bucks. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hector will now be Hecky. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Fair. Um, I, I was noticing a lot more fly stuff going on in this. I, yes. I think the first time around, I only really noticed the one that Maeve flicks off the table. This time, you can see, you know, the the inset shot of the drunk man in the alley who flies are buzzing mm-hmm. around. We talked briefly about it in the instant take. There's another one that I definitely mm-hmm. didn't notice the first time around. This woman who's being photographed. Yep, swats a fly away from her face. Shoe fly don't bother me, she says. Yeah, um, puts up more of a fight than Caleb does. That's for sure. Way more. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I noticed that too. It seems like they not yeah not only any living what we'd call living human being makes it out of this park. Yeah, why would they? I mean, if their goal is to do this to all of humanity, yeah, then it does make me think if there is some kind of natural immunity to some humans possess and that uh, is hmm. the quote unquote crazy people that are in Christina's world. And if that is not the post apocalyptic warriors that we see the Bernard and Stubbs like meet up with. It's possible. Um, or it could be that like you can be infected with the fly stuff and you don't even know it until you hear the low frequency rumble and you start doing things that you don't understand. Like it, it, it could be that there's no symptoms to being infected until the, the robots trigger, trigger you. So maybe <laughs> even the post-apocalyptic allies are triggered. So or not, those, not triggered, but affected. Those people think like a fly just crawled into their eye for no reason. They're just like, Oh my God, well, there's just, a fly yeah, buzzer. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's, oh, shit. um, I wonder if the flies have to if, 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 like physically penetrate the human because like, it in seems real like life, it. that's not required. You sure. know, like put them in mosquitoes get, and let them bite you or. Yeah. Or just have not. the flies crawl in your potato salad and, and a summer get and then they're just sure. depositing the shit in that. Yeah. Like there's a lot of ways you can affect the human. You don't have to crawl up an orifice. My God. <laughs> um, and then I guess just so I just, uh, you know, uh, obviously, because this is all a Westworld clone. Uh, Mariposa, Spanish for butterfly. I forget mm-hmm. what the Japanese word for butterfly that was the tea parlor. They the, just now call it's it just, the tea house, yeah. The, it's now it's just the butterfly club. So they've come full circle. We're just we're just putting it out there. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll come back to that here in a second. But let's move over to Bernard and Stubbs again. They visit Rhodes Inn Diner, where Bar- Bernard tells Stubbs that he's seen the future and he's trying to trigger the right series of events to guide them to the one he wants, uh, the future he wants. To that end, he follows two guys out to the parking lot and beats the shit out of them. <laughs> he sure does. Uh, uh, to, to call me by Blondie. I love the games they're playing with Stubbs. I love it. I, I this <laughs> this uh, road trip 
the Stubbs and Bernards Roadshow is quickly becoming one of my favorite parts of the show because of the way that Stubbs gets shit on constantly. Like, this place has the world's best pastrami melt. And, and he, he goes to order it. it. <laughs> it's unavailable. I love it. And then all these annoyances are just, you know, an experiment that uh, uh-huh. that, that uh, uh, Bernard's down. Now, this came up on the instant take, but like, uh, I don't think he's doing this to fuck with Stubbs. I think that right. Stubbs needs to know as little about things as possible so he can't accidentally fuck things up. Yeah, he's controlling the outcomes here. Right. Um, exactly. And I also think there's a little clue in the timeline that we're not too far ahead because uh, there's one some speculation I do not agree with that uh, C is actually Caleb's granddaughter that we're like maybe uh, 50 yeah. years into the future. I Because I, like I don't this diner is rough, but it's not like total population collapse rough. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's got electricity. It's got ice. It's got fresh meat lab created or no. Like, yeah, I, it's it's not like cannibal food. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that Cle- we're, clearly there's still a fishing industry because they have tuna melts like, yeah. right, right. I can't believe they haven't run out of tuna by 20, 60, 70, 80, whatever, you right. know? <laughs> yeah. Um, they don't tell you that stuff. the tuna melt is like $3,000 though. Right. Right. Um, okay. And, and, you know, there's definitely like parallels to be drawn between Bernard and Rehoboam slash Solomon uh, mm-hmm. those those simulation computers because that is essentially what he has done and yeah. he's picked the path that he wants instead of the one they want the really only difference is he doesn't he's not connected to the global network the way Rehoboam was so he could see where things were diverging like yeah his divergence is his stubs making the right jokes you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's the thing about like him you know messing with stubs here he's not just messing with him he's giving Stubbs in the the world that he wants to get to needs to only know these particular pieces of information, right? Because he needs to have these exact responses. Um, So, yeah, the the idea that, like, he's not giving him information is not even just like, hey, I don't want him to fuck up the timeline, but he has to not know because that's what happens on the timeline. Yes, exactly. Bernard simulated bringing Stubbs into the plan and it was a disaster every single time. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Uh, The other thing here is conceptually, like there's a very slippery slope with ends justify the means that's happening with Bernard, right? Like what is the cost of not just Bernard's life, but what is going to be the cost to humanity for salvation, right? He's seen a possible future, but he's going to have to do a lot of ends or a lot of means to justify that end and, and get there. I wonder if it, and if it doesn't work out, like all of those things he's going to have to do are for nothing. So like there's a possibility of a real human tragedy here. Well, the other thing is like as part of Bernard's weird effect has to be that he's going knowingly to his death. Sure. Like he's not going to be excited or jovial or find much humor in it because if he's successful, it's going to be a very hard task. He's a very small chance of succeeding. Mm-hmm. And if he succeeds, he dies as his reward. So like uh, and probably knows exactly the manner already. Um, yeah. So he has that kind of uh, not fun affect about him. Mm-hmm. All right. We move on to Frankie trying to raise Caleb on the radio and she doesn't want to leave until he responds um, 
unfortunately they're they're trying to pack up and get out of there uh so carver offers to teach her bear kung fu and wade convinces her to abandon the radio so they can hit the road afterward carver's acting strange and bear bear has a blood streak on his fur yeah carver's being a real asshole he got bear bear dirty that son of a bitch yeah it's like what what move what move it's because that's when he was replaced right obviously yeah yeah oh yeah for sure that's uh that's that's carver's blood on on bear bear yep um what do you think about the possibility that frankie here playing with the cb the this ham radio uh is pointing to her as an adult being able to hone in on the frequency that the hosts use to transmit their ultrasound frequencies to control people yeah, it wouldn't be the worst groundwork to lay. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that I saw people suggesting. Um, I thought it was a pretty good. I thought I thought it seemed solid. Seems like something mm-hmm. that would make her uh, useful. Um, yeah, maybe why she'd be high, highly ranked in the resistance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Uh, all right, well, let's go back to Bernard. He butchers these guys uh, and leaves them in the trunk of his car then takes the shovel and waits in the road with stubs for a car to approach and a member of the cause. I don't, I don't even know what to call their movement, right? It's like clearly some kind of resistance movement. They, they say something about a cause. So I'll call it that uh, is inside that car. And Bernard shows her the maze symbol, but she's still suspicious and he guides her through this interaction with his clairvoyance and also a promise to help her find what she's been looking for. And she agrees to take them to the condemned lands. That sounds so Mad Max. Yeah. The Thunderdome in the condemned lands. Ah, ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, I um, <laughs> do you, it's just so people because I, I saw people in the instant take confused about like where why is the maze showing up? Um, Dolores embedded the maze symbology in the um, in, in the constructed resistance movement that she created for Caleb the lead. So that transitioned from something that the hosts were following to free themselves to something, I think intentionally uh, designed by Dolores to free the humans. And yeah. this is, you know, one of those echoing things that, you know, Arnold had an idea to freeze the free, the hosts he put in motion Ford got wind of that and revised it and put another plan in motion involving Maeve Dolores on Arnold's plan you know, figures out the immorality of it and comes to a different appreciation of humans and launches a plan to, you know, like she's do she's essentially doing what her four forebears, her, her forefathers are doing, you know, creating a plan to save the world. Yeah. And, uh, knowing that it really makes me wonder where the Lawrence clone of her is, where the Misashi uh-huh. marble might be, because we're only seeing, the opposition and maybe some of Dolores's long-term pawns make plays mm-hmm. um, and Ford's like interference pattern thing running. Uh, we haven't seen like Dolores move a piece since she gave Caleb that choice. Yeah. Um, and since uh, Lawrence blew up uh, LA. So I'm assuming those people are out there still kicking around and we'll know a lot more about the shape of the season when they show up. Yeah, we'll see. Um I'm definitely getting through the symbology, the the idea, and, and a lot of things that the show is doing. The idea that um, there is a transformation taking place of humans into hosts, and and that's I, I can't tell if that is spearheaded by 
Shaloris, or if that is spearheaded by the remnants of Dolores's, you know, crew, uh, and then that plan, like you said, from Ford, it's it's hard to tell sometimes because we don't have a lot of information about exactly what Hale is up to or Shaloris is up to. It's it's like we know what she's doing and it all seems nefarious, but is it, you know, or is this some kind of plan to evolve humanity? And I I really get the feeling that we are moving and it's it's a lot of meta stuff too. Like I look at descriptions of um the episodes or what or the show or whatever on HBO Max and they're like make your enemies your friends by or make your or defeat your enemies by making them your friends or something. It's like yeah, they're trying to turn humans into hosts long term. And so like that symbology of the maze which was sort of the awakening of the hosts makes a lot of sense if you also then recontextualize it to the transformation of humans into hosts. It, it, yeah, I, I like that thought. It's not that uh, the the humans are condemned to eternal servitude or destruction because the hosts were born into servitude and didn't even know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they were able to get out. So, like, I, I liked it that the humans are now the ones playing the maze game, trying to get freedom, in, uh, intellectual freedom for themselves. Yeah, especially if you lean into the idea that, um, you know, Nolan and Joy seem to be putting out there that hosts are somehow fundamentally different as far as free will goes. And they can make true decisions whereas humans cannot right Um, you know that gets complicated with Caleb also because he has made interesting decisions in the past which is why he was targeted sure Um, anyway let's move on to Maeve and Caleb continuing to wait at the butterfly club Maeve observes her old loops playing out while making sarcastic remarks the entire time and eventually the new Hector and crew begin their heist and Maeve kills them all as bait for the undertaker as she says. Um, I, I enjoyed Maeve throwing constant shade at the, <laughs> you know, below replacement value host that, the, that she's seeing. It's so petty too, because this replacement host is not bad. This replacement host so, is actually very good. And I think that Maeve knows that because uh-huh. she, she makes this one. It's like, Oh, her bulk apprehension must be Nate. Maeve's bulk apprehension, she was always clever. She was always one of the more uh-huh. intelligent, but she was not like a 20 out of 20 until she slid her own slider. So right. it's like, it's got to be, um, I've observed as a father, the thing that annoys me the most uh, about my son are flaws in him that I recognize in myself. Sure. And being an immature level, not being able to like, you know, do much about it. Like he will probably mm-hmm. figure out how to be, you know, like the, to, to, to mitigate and hide these as he gets an adult. But right now he's just, uh, he's just me as a dumbass 15 year old. Sure. Uh, I, I wonder if Maeve's feeling that same thing. Like a lot of this peak is, it's not that these are shitty hosts. It's just that she sees herself in them and like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, this must've been, I must've been just like this. Yeah. yeah maybe yeah. as a little bit, I had a little bit more clever dialogue or I think the wild west stuff is classier than the 1920s stuff. But <laughs> I think it's, I think it's embarrassment and shame at what she used to be. Yeah. I think you're right. Uh, I will say if this is the new Clementine, I much prefer her. I don't know. Old Clementine doesn't Rip. do much for me. Yeah. Oh man. I'm a big old Clementine classic Clementine fan for me. <laughs> Huh, okay. Um, I do think I do think the uh, new Anna Paquin looking uh, armistice is definitely a great value armistice. Yep. yep. Uh, he- what they did to oh. Hector, unconscionable. This guy, uh, yeah, terrible yeah. Hector. A French Hector. He's the one that did. He's the one that did, did feel like a complete fraud. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I do want to talk about Armistice because in the making of Westworld, they talk about this fucking radical concept that I desperately wanted to see uh, where they took her snake tattoo and made it like an art deco tattoo. And I yeah. wanted to see it, but you can't fucking see it in this you don't episode. Really, it, I, what I'm a sure waste. it looks like Armistice, but different. But yeah, I wanted yeah. to see that. It's amazing how much detail goes in the show because they talked about how like in the wallpaper of the Butterfly Club that they had like woven this art deco Japanese yeah. graphic design to kind of show like to give um, hair to show the heritage of the Butterfly Club. And like these mm-hmm. details just go by in a whiz. But yeah, it reminds me a lot of Lord of the Rings, like that, like every f- fucking thing in that movie, you can zoom in and some person spent 100 hours crafting it and yeah. it just goes by in a second. But I love that passion that it's it's yep. there in shows like The Expanse. All, all of my favorite shows have that passion behind them. I, I, and I think that's it shines through. Yes. Like even if you don't see the individual things, the collective reality that it that it immerses the actors in, because that's the other thing I got from watching Aaron Paul and uh, Tandaway uh, Newton is like they are. It seems like Uber fans of the show and they were like a kid in a candy store yeah. back on the sets and doing this because like it, it just is really immersive and mm-hmm. it's a hell of a lot better than a green screen box, you know? Oh, I was going to say, um, we talked a little bit about the comment that Caleb made about not having a set of Westworld to come back to or that it was all gone by the time he got there. Uh, yes. They clearly shot on a Westworld set at some point because Bernard walks through one, so... Yeah, someone I, on the feedback episode, the the the, the uh, someone shared. I don't know if you recall. They shared a story of them going on vacation earlier this year and, and seeing that set. Yeah. yeah, it's a facade built all over the original Westworld building. So, so you just take it all down, or just swap in and out. Yeah. Or I think because yeah, like I think a lot of the stuff that Bernard saw was like literally um, reused footage from the Wyatt massacre. But when he went inside, like. I don't know that you could tell that it was a, a, a Chicago building if you filmed it inside, you know, like you oh, won't sure. see the facade being fucked up or. Yeah, he walks through the streets. I mean, they could composite him into old footage. It's not like, oh, that's, that's true. Yeah, po- not possible. <laughs> we have the technology, yeah. but the set's still there. I was wrong. Um, if you didn't listen to the feedback episode, I was wrong. They say it was torn down. They just built a new right. facade of the Chicago temperance uh, on top of the Sweetwater. Makes sense. Um, some great music in this scene too, where we start up with you know Inner Sandman. I think you said there was a Billie Eilish song at some point. Yeah, was that also guy. here? It was the one before the scene when they're sitting. Oh, and, okay. You know, Mavis doing round one of shade throwing. Gotcha. Uh, they fire up the Sandman as a reprise of the Hector stuff. Yep. But it's a jazzy, jazzy, bouncy Sandman. I liked it. Yeah, it's appropriate to the era. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, Uwade is almost unpacking up. And Frankie follows a blood trail to the body of Carver, who's been replaced by a host. And she tells her mother, who stalls Carver for time, sends Frankie to hide and gets her gun out of the safe. I like how this show didn't indulge in some of the tropes, like the mother not taking the daughter seriously. Yes, thank God. And and, and the daughter did the other thing where it's like she's yep. the kid and she thinks she's going to save the day, but her mom's like, this isn't the time for this shit, hide. And the, the daughter took it seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God, I find out. Like, I, 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 they just didn't do it. I was like really, really pleased. Yeah. No, it went exactly how I hoped it would go. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, uh, let's move over to Bernard and Stubbs again, helping their chauffeur across a laser barrier. Uh, where the hell are these lasers emitted from? That's what I want to know. 
I don't see anything that could possibly oh. emit them. If they're super far away, how does the curvature of the Earth not block them? I <laughs> like there are. I have so many questions about these lasers coming from nowhere. Well, from uh, from flat Earth debunking, which I <laughs> can't believe I'm Christ. doing in in the year 2022, but I've been seeing a lot of this on TikTok and whatnot. Um, you can put things surprisingly far apart before the curvature of the Earth starts fucking. Okay, with how things. about bushes? There's a lot of bushes around. Like, yeah. How about well, sand dunes? My, my how, question how about, like, is hills. What happens? Rocks. What happens? Like. Because, like, I, 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 is that just a detection thing or does, like, shit happen right. when you cross those lasers? Yeah, does a bomb go off? Um, yeah, that's what I'm very curious about. Um, is it just, like, the, the lasers in yeah. Resident Evil and they, like, bisect you or, or quadsect you? I don't even know what you would call yeah. it. Yeah, because, like, if a tumbleweed flies by and, like, it orders a nuke strike <laughs> or, like, a coyote comes <laughs> right. uh, trotting by and, like, napalm just goes off in a square mile, that'd be annoying to reload every time it happens. Yeah. But it, I think it these looks are just like cool. hundred watt lasers that just cut through you. Yeah, that's what I think. I'm very curious to see because uh, I, I imagine I imagine they'll show us. They can't show something this cool and not not set it off later. Yeah, we'll see. All right. After the host bodies in temperance are collected, Maeve and Caleb climb aboard the meat wagon, which leads them to the lower levels and they find a terminal that Maeve can use to search for William. But Turns out this level of the park doesn't really seem to control anything. And then a bunch of guards and patrons show up as Dolores slash Wyatt and her people attack. And Maeve figures out that this is just part of the game. And there's another lower level. So they make their way to an elevator violently. Yeah, they uh, Maeve finds a secret door and uses her sonorous powers to open it. Um, I I know this is all a trap and, and maybe they accounted for this, but I kept on thinking when they're playing dead and going down that shoot, what if the cleaner dudes had just cleaned the layer of corpses and like Caleb just hits that floor face first, busts out all of his front teeth. Yeah. He's doing the rest of this episode, missing all of his front grill and broken jaw. Cause like, yeah, you, 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 that's, that's a pretty substantial fall. It's a good thing. There's corpses to uh, kind of break it for you. Yeah. No, this seems I can't tell if this is the easy way down because, you know, he makes a comment about like there's got to be an easy way down and may have just like be glad you didn't have to take a bullet. I feel like she should have said that was the easy way, given everything that she had to go through to get down here. Right. And, yeah. and the the journey that the people up in the top levels are probably taking right now, like going out into the desert, uh, finding a whole bunch of like scalped people. I, I don't know what scalping looks like in 1920s. Uh Chicago there's probably some equivalent with like Tommy guns and and bootlegging and all that stuff straight razor sure razors slit your throat but like if you recall it was a fucking journey to get down to these lower levels in Westworld so like he did take the easy way I also wonder in, in that line it's this has to be somewhat of a working floor right like those guys scooping up the bodies that are being dropped by the undertaker that is a real thing that they're having to do to maintain the park, right? Like what happens? I, I suppose so. Yeah. You could dual purpose that. Yeah. Like what happens when, uh, the guard like, yeah. How do they get the turnarounds? You know, how do they get these size? If they're running like a midnight, mm-hmm. uh, bonus game, how do they get these guys back to the showroom floor at eight o'clock in the morning when everything restarts? I don't know. 
Um, I was I wondering mean, the, to the what artifice extent is, is part this... of it, though, right? Like it's yeah, yeah, for sure, and not just like from the Mave trap perspective, but like for the patrons of this park, they're they clearly know about this Easter egg, right? And it doesn't seem uh, to be yeah, like a yeah. huge secret. I so maybe yeah. like that's part of it. Like we just every morning we start this thing back up again, and nobody cares because it's such a cool experience. Hmm. They still have to have a way where they're fixing hosts and reprogramming them and uh-huh. and redressing them and stuff like that. And I'm wondering where, if not here, where, you know? Sure. Yeah. Are there or maybe even lower levels? These are there? Yeah. Is there another facility? Do they take them off to some mesa somewhere to do the repairs? I don't know. I also like the inversion where Caleb was under no threat at all. Like the yes. guns literally won't work on him and Maeve was uniquely vulnerable and he had to be the like superhuman bullet sponge ultimate protector for her. Yeah, I thought that was pretty I cool. Picked up on that. That was very cool. Because like, yeah, like Caleb has done not uh, this last season and this season, but follow robot women around doing their bidding without question. Uh-huh. And it's nice to see him have a little kind of, uh, you know, a bit of agency and kick a little bit of ass himself. Yeah. And I hope once we get a little more information about what went on in the last seven, eight years, we'll see that that was kind of a, a beautiful friendship. Right. It wasn't just mm-hmm. a one sided Caleb following a host around. <laughs> right. For seven years. Yeah. Um, but who knows? We try to make it super easy to support making podcasts at Bald Move. Just join the club. Well, some people aren't a joining type, or maybe they're already in the club but want to add a little bit of gratuity for an especially great season of coverage, or for a podcast that really spoke to them or gave them that bit of support in a tough time. For these and for whatever other reason you might have, our tip jar is always open. Head over to support.baldmove.com and click the donate option to say, hey, keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate it. Once again, check out support.baldmove.com for all the great ways to help me and Jim keep making the podcast you love. Commission podcasts are an awesome feature here at Bald Move that allows you, the individual listener, to decide what we talk about for a single podcast. The community loves it because it often leads to fun fan favorite films and TV shows that we've overlooked getting the coverage they deserve. And we love it because we're constantly exposed to great stuff that's not even on our radar. The way it works is simple. You go to support.baldmove.com and you click on commissions. Then you pay the flat rate for the commission and tell us what two-ish hours of content you'd like us to make podcasts on. Then we'll contact you for details, advanced feedback, and any dedications you'd like to make. Then we watch the thing, discuss the thing, turn it into a podcast, and pump it right into your ears. We get consistently great feedback on how much our commissioners love their podcast, and they make great gifts for the dedicated Bald Move fan in your life. And who knows, that dedicated fan could even be you. Treat yourself. Check out support.baldmove.com for more info. You've been listening to quite a few Bald Move podcasts now, but you're not in the club? Whoo boy, you are missing out. Not only are all of our premium club podcast feeds completely ad-free, but we have lots of other great content exclusively for people in the club. There's a weekly lunch with Jim and Aaron where we chat with fans about anything and everything from TV and films, food, fun, life advice, and more. 
But there's also Off the Clock, our premium podcast where we talk about all the shows we don't have time for on our public feeds. Plus, you get access to our full spoiler-filled first-run movie reviews of our newly released films. Don't forget Instant Take and Talk Podcast, where we give our hot takes and discuss television shows with our fans live and immediately after the episode airs. With mega shows like House of the Dragon coming this summer, we're going to have lots to talk about. Not to mention access to our fun and friendly community of club members with exclusive Discord channels and a dedicated forum. It's one of the best places on the internet to hang out and chat about pop culture. Bottom line, you're helping two regular type guys in the Midwest make the content you like to listen to, which some would say is reward unto itself. Help keep the lights on and the bits flowing at Bald Move. And get some awesome content for yourself. Head to support.baldmove.com to join the club today. All right, we're on the lower level now where Caleb and Maeve find drone hosts creating black goo and infecting flies with it. And then Maeve hears this tone playing that Caleb can't hear. I should probably stop there because there's a lot going on here. Yeah, there's uh, you see the whole life cycle. There's the maggots, Mm -hmm. trays of maggots. There's the black oil. There's the room full of flies. Uh, Maeve noticed that they seem to really like Caleb. Yes. They're swarming the glass to try to get at him, which is unsettling. And then, like you said, she hears that low pitched thrumming notes that. Uh, um, which is like, now one thing I didn't yeah. detect, but a lot of people swore is that this melody, if you can call it that, matches up roughly to what Anastasia, the senator's wife, was humming to herself when she was butchering the horses. Oh, and the tones that the crazy guys complaining about. Um, yes. A hundred percent on that Olympiad. Yeah. Cause okay. when Christina is going to work and she hears, yeah, the, the homeless guy ranting about the signal um, that uh-huh. the birds can hear. She, I, I can't tell if she hears it. I think she might hear it. Um, but when, it's definitely when she goes the to the revolving doors right? and it, like, there's a, a shot of the doors revolving and it's playing the signal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which I, I don't know. I mean, it really got my wheels spinning as far as theory crafting. Like, why would they want to send out a signal in a frequency that humans can't hear? Um, and and it will explain why nobody else can hear the signal, but like Christina can seemingly hear it, right? So like, there's this idea that Nolan and Joy said that Christina is a human, which is we've been trying to figure out if that's a lie, if that's like from a certain point of view, an Obi Wan kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's a human. This signal got me wondering if she is a human in brain only. Like, we know that the human data is out there. Um, We think Dolores was at one point modeled after a human, right? Do we? I mean, that's there is certainly like that that idea that it could be um, possible. Because I know people have been speculating like, oh, this is Christina before... Dolores was created and this is the human that Dolores was created off of. Oh, I don't, yeah, that, I don't, I don't think those timelines work out at all. Well, not in the way that, that they, that we were talking about a couple episodes ago, but now maybe, um, what if Dolores data was actually in the forge, um, data, the guest data and yeah, the cradle. this is a future. Oh. Christina is in a future where they have brought back that data. They have broken the encryption. It's all the Hoover Dam stuff has happened. Um, okay. And they've gotten that data and they have put a quote unquote human Christina because it's a brain pattern of a human into a host body, which is living out the things that we're actually seeing. Um, and that's why she can maybe hear this signal 
because and still be a human right like and this all falls in line with the idea of like turning humans into hosts Man, I don't know, because like, I, I feel like most of this Christina is a human is based on a throwaway thing that Evan Rachel Wood said, which is it's nice to be playing a normal human in Westworld, which is number one. Uh, yeah, again, they, these are professional liars. Number two, it doesn't have to literally be true. She's just playing someone who's not obviously a host. It's on a loop. Sure. Uh, the, either, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think this I just I just don't. I think the Christina the, uh, human theory is dumb. And I haven't seen anything for it other than like, I, I swear to God, if that one line from Evan Rachel Wood, I don't know the theory would exist that she's just a regular old human. Oh, I mean, it, the other it thing almost is, like, certainly wouldn't. We yeah. also know that hosts are programmed not to hear and see things that that fuck up the kayfabe of the situation. I mm-hmm. don't that doesn't look like anything to me. That doesn't sound like anything to me. So she could be literally hearing it. But her programming is telling her that's nothing. Sure. Sure, but the, yeah, that's a I, like, much easier explanation than she's double. Oh, there are a hundred easier from explanations. The before times that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm throwing out possibilities here. Can you, can, uh, that's can what you, you do with can theory explain, crafting. Though, but mm. you're saying that like Dolores was a human before she was a host, or you're saying that she is yeah. a. Where would they get her brain scan? Because she was like one and of the, the very well, first hosts they created. Yeah, yeah. Were they not scanning brains early on in the park? Like I thought they, I thought they created them from whole cloth. I didn't I didn't know that they like based Dolores on an actual person. Well, I'm not saying for sure that they did. I'm saying they could have. Okay, you're saying they could have. Okay. Yeah. Um and that person could have, you know, been part of the the opening of the park and and had their brain scanned and this could be a human esque Dolores in uh, a host body. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Well, I'm generally I'm generally down on the Dolores equals human or uh, uh, Christine equals human, yeah, but obviously. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see a couple. We'll see in a couple episodes. I might have giant egg. I might have giant flies going up my ear holes. Yeah, we'll see. Um, all right, then. Uh, host Carver searches the house for Frankie and finds dot dot dot. We'll get to that later. At like, I still think is the this, most unimportant this, this, time. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you. This I, is pointless. I, uh, there's got to be an, a more artful way to do this because the well, only reason to tell a story artfully. this way is to is to just fool the audience for like 15 more minutes. And I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, but it's not, it's, it's not a problem. It's like I said, this is my favorite episode this season. So it's not, it's not killing it for me. Sure. Uh, Bernard and subs are taken to a Ridge where they're surrounded by people from the cause, a whole bunch of them. Uh, Bernard offers to give them the weapon buried in the sands. We don't know if this is a literal weapon, a figurative weapon. Uh, it could be access to, uh, some I don't know, piece of data it could be a nuke. I don't know if that would serve a it whole. Could be. I, I purpose, saw a couple theories that it, that w- it could be a buried host, like it could be a buried host. host. Like like yep. imagine digging Mave up, and she's got her sonorous powers that you can unleash on an unsuspecting hail. Thinking sure. that she's dead. If we're saying be, this is twenty plus years in the future, yeah, it could be a man in black clone that they have stolen and reprogrammed it could, it could be, be the I facility saw, where man in black is being fidelity tested that's what i was thinking that yeah. they're going to get like but what kind of ultimate weapon is william against the hosts i mean well it might not really be good specifically william right? world I, I wonder if the uh, weapon is the ability to turn humans into hosts it could even be gotcha. that or maybe ability to, to undo it um sure 
Sure. I like I, I guess my my I'm leaning on it's some host. I've even saw some people speculate it is the shell of Dolores. OK, man, what um, good would that do you? <laughs> I mean, I don't Without know. I, the I did, Dolores did, did, data. It, it did feel. Yeah, because I feel like Maeve's spooky powers or sonorous powers are more powerful than uh, Dolores's battle frame because we saw oh, yeah. clearly those. Uh, erector set hosts were superior in terms of kicking ass and and taking damage mm-hmm. um but like i feel like mave's ability to just f- override hosts and hack into things effortlessly and all that would be a more more, uh, more powerful weapon to get yeah it would be weird to see mave mave's marble in dolores's host like uh framework host body Mm-hmm. That would be super weird. Ooh, yeah. Like you kind of have the best of both be worlds, right? She becomes even more indestructible physically. A fusion, yeah, yeah. 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 It'd be strange, especially it would mean if that- it was like what, or what if it's like a, a Ford Bernard thing where Dolores is like riding, co-piloting her body the way Ford did. Okay, you sure. Know, like the she camera you know, mind. Yeah, of, of hosts. Yeah, yeah. Run that, run that uh, classic back. I don't know. We'll see. A lot of possibilities here. All right. The final scene here is Maeve and Caleb finding the source of the sound, which seems to be forcing people on monitors to shoot themselves in the head. Frankie is on one of those monitors, so Caleb runs off to find her, while Maeve tries to break into the security system to open the doors for him, and she struggles, but manages to open them at the last second. And Caleb stops Frankie from killing herself. Unfortunately. This is not his daughter, and this has been a ploy the entire time by Hale to infect Caleb with black goo. The flies enter Caleb's ears, and then kind of intercut here is Uwade and the real Frankie killing Carver and running off. It feels like you can defeat the host's nefarious black oil plan with a beekeeper hat and a butt plug. Yes. That's the ultimate defense. Yeah. That's the ultimate defense. The host will can do nothing. Can do nothing if you nothing. if you, you got a beekeeper's hat and you you plug uh, up the last orifice. Your your vagoo, your vagoo, your pee holes. You you might want to do something about I, that I, too. I mm, a diva cup. You go diva sure. cup if you're and a lady. And a sound full full full. <laughs> you could do that. Oh, you could Christ. use one of those chip clips. You know, like a binder <laughs> clip. Uh, sure, a, a tight rubber roll, band. Yeah, you could roll a condom on. You know, you could do that. Yeah, and yeah. then you're you're airtight. You're airtight. <laughs> no entry. No entry. Just hold your nose. Yeah. Now you, you mentioned no new information this episode, really. But I think this this giant IKEA upside down pyramid pyramidal speaker is kind of it's interesting because you can mm-hmm. go back through the trailer and see some production stills the massive tower the ivory tower that um it has got a massive version of that at the very yeah. base of it nice so this is like you know we're i mean I, I guess like you could have put all this together from the birds and from the ravings of the homeless people and christina's uh world and all that stuff but like Mm-hmm. Yeah, this I, I think there is a lot more, even if you get that, like a lot of what was being shown here is bullshit, which seems clear. Um, it, it it did give us that, which I thought was cool. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. Did you do any screen uh, uh, free screen reading of the readouts that uh, was going on during some of these experiments? Oh, no. So these are called uh, the these are labeled infrasound induced obedience trials, and it's a they're calling it Project Chrysalis. 
which if you don't know, chrysalis is the type of cocoon that certain butterflies and moths uh, mm-hmm. turn into as they uh, evolve to, to emerge as bu- butterflies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As they become something else. Yes. Um, and there's a whole bunch of different other like specific low frequencies that are being triggered and whatnot. And then there's also a readout that the uh, he was on. I think the uh, the assistant deputy attorney general was on step five, which is load and chamber around in the pistol in front of you. Okay. Um, that's about the other thing I thought was a little bit like a sci-fi horror thing um, is these people seem to be aware. Yeah. Like when they're stacking the blocks, their heart rate uh, is like, you know, the, the AG is like at a you know pretty steady 70 beats per minute blood pressure in normal range. When he starts putting the gun to his head, not only is he in visual distress, but his heart rate goes up to like 175 yeah. is blood pressure. Like these people are terrified. They know what's happening to them, mm-hmm. uh, which is worse I think <laughs> sure. Then Definitely. it's like kind of like a, almost a worse version of being a host because the hosts at least were, you know, diluted in, in the things that they were doing. Whereas these people are well aware that they're being asked to terminate themselves. The, the other thing is it doesn't seem, I, I think that Maeve realizes this at the last moment before the man in black comes and, and fucks things up. But I think she realized what, we talked about at the top of the show, which is everyone on this floor is some sort of host. They're not real. They're not real yeah. people. Because if they were real infected people, they'd have black oil shooting out of their, their heads. I would think so. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the language yeah. that the show is set up. So if they're going to break that rule, they need a pretty good reason um, and they need to let us know soon. But what, yeah. what do you think of my theory that one of the traps was to see what the, the, to like scan Maeve's sonorous powers and see them at their max capacity to defeat them. It's possible. Sure. Um, they, she is like the one wild card that they're unable to control. So yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Did you do any visual inspection of the man in black when he made a second appearance? You because can't I really like there's yeah, there's, there's two one shots, full body shot quick, quick, but he's to the side. So you can't really tell it's I, I can't tell if they're if they're buttonholes or they're wrinkles right. and fabrics. There's things that I think could be gunshots, but there's certainly not blood pouring out of them or anything like that. So, right. If that is a fresh copy of the man in black, that does imply like what I was talking about in instant take that the hosts have some kind of way to instantly wirelessly transmit their consciousness to a new body, mm-hmm. which is different than like if you make 10 copies of Dolores, put them in 10 different bodies, you slaughter one. It's not like that the, 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 the moment they activate and start doing different things, they started differentiating. This would be different. Yeah. This would be like literally your conscious can just jump somewhere automatically being live backed up or something. Mm-hmm. Um, or it could just be, yeah, they got mass copies of Man in Black and they're all after Maeve. Like, I, it's not conclusive, but I wonder if they're hinting towards some kind of spooky Wi-Fi host backup power. Yeah, I mean, that that was damn near a capability of the host in Westworld. So, like, to say that they've evolved some kind of new tech uh, in the ensuing years yeah. seems reasonable, totally. I also want to praise Aaron Paul um, because Aaron Paul is uniquely good at being like this maximum emotional, wounded, tortured person. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh huh. And boy, he pulls out all the stakes when he's trying to get to his daughter. Like oh, yeah. I really, he really sold the desperation, the fr- the the frenzy, uh, in a way that he didn't resisting the flies. But no, when he was trying to save his his uh, daughter, he he really got to like Jesse Pinkman levels of anguish. 
Yeah, I don't know what it is about Aaron Paul. Um, some people just have that. Um, uh, it's a really expressive face, man. There's a, there's a French term for it, but I can't think of it. Um, yeah, and, and I, I really loved Aaron Paul in Breaking Bad first because of how hilarious he was. And sure. then because, yeah, of how much uh, pathos he can bring to his performance. And th- this series has not asked a ton of him up until now. And I think exactly. we're finally getting to a performance that I would call a, a, an impressive performance as opposed to just yeah. like being what he needs to be in any given scene. I completely agree. And I'm glad that he, like I said, bef- uh, up till this point, he's essentially been the sidekick to two different robot women, which you know, nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. like it is Aaron Paul is idling in terms yes. of being an actor. And, and now they're giving him some shit to do. Yeah. Um, I so so my question is what is Caleb's status now he's compromised mm-hmm. but I've is he going to be normal I don't, and, I don't want to do okay. too many spoilers but yeah do you if, want, okay I, we're going to have a spoiler section at the end of this it turns out because there's okay, something that HBO may or may not have accidentally leaked out and I know Usually when you have a leaked episode situation or something that got out um, uh, mm-hmm. out of the showrunner's control, we treat that as like a radioactive spoiler because, you know, like everything we talk about is stuff that you can surmise just from watching this stuff. But if something gets leaked out from the other side, it can, you know, so there's going to be a brief spoiler section. Maybe we can talk about that stuff together with that other thing I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, your question, do you think Owada escaped? Uh, yeah, I mean, they essentially show her running off with Frankie, right? Well, but that doesn't mean she's success successfully. Now, if, if you buy the Frankie equals C equals cookie <laughs> I mean, equals no one, no one escapes Aurora. their ultimate demise. <laughs> like, yeah, she'll eventually you, die at a ripe old age. But do you think right, that, like, right. do you think both Awada and her and, and Frankie's escape? Do you think Frankie? Yeah, I think Frankie's going to escape. I, I buy completely to Frankie equals C theory. But I mean, as it stands, they both escaped. Yes. I mean, we see it. And it's not a question. Do you think right? Caleb ever sees his real daughter again? Uh, that's a that's a perfectly good question. I ah, uh, I don't know, man. This fly stuff is bad news. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, would have I don't to say go probably back. not at this point. It's one of those things where you don't know if, like, like I speculated before, it's like he could be perfectly normal until the fly until he's triggered. The other thing is the yeah. way this scene was engineered with Maeve and the Man in Black. I don't think Maeve is going to know that he was infected. And I don't know that Aaron, when when Caleb wakes up, that he will know that he's infected. Yeah, we'll see. Um, he knows more than the people who have been infected in the past, right? He knows that it's the mm-hmm. flies. He knows that the flies have gone into his brain. So he could potentially, like, logically know that he's infected. But if the, if the parasites suppress that information, oh, like, oh, you don't maybe. know that you've been infected, you know? Yeah, I don't know how they would do that, but I, I don't know how these flies are making people shoot their heads themselves in the head. I mean, clearly yeah. there, you know, there are real life pe- um, parasites that affect uh, largely invertebrates that mm. um, can do some spooky ass shit. There's this one, um, you know, everybody knows about the fungus that infects the ants that mm-hmm. makes them climb to the tallest branch and clamp onto their jaws, and then this fungus explodes out of the ant's brain, and it's, it, that's how they just spread their spores. There's also a barnacle. That can attach to a crab, and if it's a female, it then um, it injects itself and winds itself through in the, the crab's entire uh, immune system, and then the crab becomes an incubator for this 
barnacles babies. Uh, the barnacle mm-hmm. grows the babies in the crab's brood pouch and the crab cares for it as of its own. It stops molting. It stops eating mm-hmm. and eventually it dies. And the other crazy thing is if it lands on a male crab, it hormonally turns the male crab female so it can do that shit. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, there's uh, there's a um, a uh, a parasite that infects mice that makes them not afraid of large mammals. They'll like walk right in front of a cat to be killed because they, there's tons of crazy shit that these mm-hmm. uh, parasites can do to their host species. And they're just I guess um, if someone actually weaponized that and you had a, a really smart host um, being able to do that, they're postulating you can control a human at that level. Yeah. Um, but they could be appear entirely normal until they're triggered and Maeve might not know it um, yeah, until no, it's we'll tr- see. too late. Um, as far as Caleb seeing his daughter again, I, th- I think they're foreshadowing him not seeing his daughter with this promise to come back. Right. Um, yeah. Her not being able to raise him on the radio. I, yeah, I think yeah. like now that the flies have got him, there's a real possibility. He doesn't see her again. Um, oh, speaking of um, infected potential double agents, I saw some people mention the idea that maybe, Stubbs in the years between uh, um, Bernard putting on the halo and waking up has been compromised by Hale or the man in black. Wouldn't Bernard know that? That's the thing I think is a stopper for that theory is that clearly Bernard could have simulated one of those and and prepared for it. Yeah. So it could be testing for that as well. And it, that's a, it could be that that's what ends up killing him, too. And he knows it like this is best. Oh, buddy. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be an interesting kind of uh, reveal. But um, uh-huh. yeah, I, I can't imagine a world in which Bernard is not aware of it. Yeah. Because he knows exactly what action Stubbs is going to take at all times. So you'd think so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he does the tuna melt thing, right? Like you're going to yeah, settle yeah, yeah. for the tuna. Right. Right. Uh, so, yeah, now we'll see. I think that's about it. Yeah, uh, we're going to get like, again, uh, stay uh, tuned past the outro if you want to hear some spoilers, one that's pretty big one. And then we'll uh, we'll do that at the very, very end. And then maybe we'll talk about uh, what Jim saw on the next week on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know some people don't care to, to, to consider that part of their experience. So we'll do that in the spoiler section. Um, also. Um, if you want to send us your theories, if you want to infect us with your fly thoughts, uh, send it into Westworld at baldmove.com. We're going to have a feedback section later this week on Thursday uh, where we review everybody's uh, thoughts about the episode, their theories, etc. Um, but yeah, and also don't forget next week we're going to be releasing a podcast we recorded with a um, philosopher who uh, you know lectures at university. He's got a master's degree. He hosts two different podcasts on philosophy, one particularly in philosophy and science fiction. His, his name's Aaron R- uh, Rabinowitz, and he does the um, uh, Embrace the Void and the Philosophers in Space podcast. We'll be talking to him about the nature of determinism versus free will versus ways you can make see compatibilities between those thoughts and uh, how it might um, play into Westworld long term. 
So I think that would be an interesting conversation. It's, it's definitely bonus supplementary material. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 90% us struggling to understand what he's ta- talking about <laughs> philosophy and 10% of us tying it to Westworld. But yeah. I thought it was a great conversation. I think uh, a lot of you are going to enjoy it. So Westworld at BallMove.com. We'll consider your feedback on Thursday. Don't forget Sunday is the instant take uh, that we will release after we record it to everybody. But if you're a club member, support.BallMove.com. You can join in live, watch us record it live, and give us your thoughts through the chat interface, which we'll respond to in real time. Uh, and then we'll be back Tuesday for another full coverage of this weekend's episode. That's what we're planning on doing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks. Shout out especially to all our supporters. We'll see you next week. All right. Everybody out. Everybody yeah. doesn't want let's spoilers go. out. Let's talk about it. Let's go with the quote unquote spoilers you can access on right. the HBO Max page. And, for and in fact, episode. the spoilers you will access if you don't immediately hit the stop button uh, if you're yes. watching this episode. So I, I, almost a part I, of the I don't episode. know why I, I, my brain farted. I forgot I could watch this. I watched like two different um, behind the scenes making of behind. And then I forgot that there was a preview oh, for next week. So. I was going to say, how did you get to the making of because it's after this but yeah if you watch it separately yes because uh, they released yeah. them as standalone things too okay um so yeah the next time on is a lot of stuff around caleb being infected by the the fly um and there seems to be a scanning procedure that they can go through and i don't know if they're directly scanning caleb's head or if they're scanning any of the various people who are infected in this facility um mm-hmm. and seeing previous scans that are already taken but they're definitely analyzing what is like an image of a human's head with a big red spot in the middle, um, a pulsating mm. red spot. So they're trying to get to the bottom of what this does to humans. And I assume, I, I don't know. I mean, to me, that says like Maeve has to get away from William, the, the, the any number of Williams that are going to come at her and be working with Caleb to, to find some way to counteract this. Uh, it also shows and Caleb... Yeah. Well, when you say get away, you could mean in like the Princess Leia, Han, and Luke get away from the Death Star. Like they let them, you know, it's an escape, but they they were let go. Right? Sure. I mean, yeah. yeah. They, they just they're probably not going to be in a cage because they're seeing these scans. Yeah. Right? Unless yeah. you know, Shaloris is doing the stupid Bond villain thing where she lays out her entire plan, <laughs> or maybe it's not a stupid <laughs> a Bond villain thing, right? Like Dolores did that to Maeve. And it works. This is like so, this is like this episode is like if the Bond villain were uh, Mr. Hammond from Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. It's like instead of showing you my plan, I've, I've set up this elaborate diorama that I'm going to drive you through. And Richard Attenborough is going to narrate it. I've spared no expense. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Dolores did this to Maeve, right? And it changed her mind about the about humanity and her cause. So I, I think like it's possible. Um, the other thing you see in the preview and there's probably a lot of stuff in there I missed, but. I distinctly saw a shot of Caleb looking like he's struggling not to shoot someone. And I assume Mm. that's Maeve, um, but I'm not totally sure. So there are definitely going to be like effects from the flies next episode, but also them trying to figure out what's going on in his head and how to counteract it. I assume. Well, that sounds cool. I'm glad that they're not going to, because I, I was afraid that they would just submarine that, that Maeve would be, yeah. like, find your daughter. Turns out she was a host all along. I knew that, and you know, and but it sounds like they're going to de- address it. So that's cool. Uh-huh. Are you ready know. for the yep. the leak? Uh-huh. What were you going to say? You said, I don't know if what? Uh, I was going to say, I, I don't know if that means that Caleb is aware that he's been compromised or if Maeve figures mm. it out somehow. It's, that's still up in the air. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so here, so like this is the thing that leaked. The HBO may or may not. I can't even get confirmation. Um, yeah. But it is a possible smoking gun for the timeline and the times elapsed. So if you don't want to know anything, you're not supposed to know. Switch off now. So HBO posted on Monday morning, I think, an image of the scene of Bernard and Stubbs talking back and forth and Stubbs observing you got weird after all that time in the sublime. Or you came out of the sublime weirder. And the caption for the image reads right now, if you look at it, um, years in the sublime will do that to a guy. But you'll notice some people in the comments are losing their shits and saying things like 23 question mark, exclamation mark, question mark. Mm-hmm. Apparently, when HBO first posted this to Instagram, the caption read 23 years in the sublime will do that to a guy. OK, now I got to say be verified. It's it's it strange. cannot be verified there. No one has a screenshot. Now, it might it might eventually show up. Someone that took a screenshot Maybe. might might eventually post it. Um, I but, couldn't find um, it because I looked. Uh, if if this is true, it lines up very nicely with the 23 year population collapse that like Bernard's coming back literally at the 11th hour mm-hmm. to save the day. It is on the upper limit of what I would consider because like I don't even know that I buy that C slash cookie slash Frankie is 30. She to That's me looks like early sell. to mid 20s. I've seen like the way people look in Mad Max. And if this is essentially Mad Max, they do not look this good at 30. True. You could say that like, well, it's in the future. They have, well, not in this future. No. Not after like two, you know, not 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 on the eve of a population collapse. But I, yeah, thir- okay, I, I will buy because we know she's seven in this timeline. Um, But yeah, so that it, it, it does give Bernard, uh, what is that? 23,000 years. That's a hell of a long time. To, to simulate. Um, it also gives, uh, you know, cookie time to grow up. It also gives time for that big ass tree to grow through the hotel's roof. Um, and it would put us the other intriguing thing about that timeline is it puts us back past the two mass casualty events. So we're in Mad Max, but civilization still clinging on the 23 years was the, uh, population collapse. Mm-hmm. And then between, I think 90 and 150 years after that was the extent, you know, the end of the human civilization. So uh, that 23 years does seem about right. It's on the high end of what I would have was was thinking. But like if you're trying to just get in under the wire of a Solomon predicted population collapse, this would be this would be the the way to because I I, I guess after that, there's nothing that you can there's nothing you can do to bring the humanity back. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. It's it's definitely like shedding light on where all the characters might be as far as timelines that so we might be dealing with not just the Christina timeline. Like I, like I said, a, an episode or two ago, uh, I liked how they were playing straight with us where the Christina stuff is the only thing that's not happening on a particular, uh, on a separate timeline. Mm-hmm. Oops. Oops. Yeah. I'm probably wrong. Definitely wrong about yeah. that. Uh, and, and this is there is like this doesn't happen often, but it did happen on another HBO show. I remember in like one of the Game of Thrones seasons, they in some um, a, a bonus material accidentally identified the the Night's King as such, which oh. 
was hmm. kind of you know like uh, it, it it wasn't like the biggest confirmiest confirmy that had ever been confirmed um mm-hmm. but it was it was something they didn't mean to do and they they changed it like three hours later yeah um so like yeah you know people make mistakes people fuck up so um i don't think it's the biggest spoiler if you it, it might not even be true um i i believe it is though i don't know why there'd be everyone in the comments freaking out about the 23 years also, like years in the sublime will do that to a guy. Doesn't even seem like a right a, a real sentence. Ah, ah, I can see it. Um, also, I, I think it's interesting that like they've had not the twenty three thousand years isn't enough time to simulate mm-hmm. a possible future and and pick a path, but like they've had extra time too, right? Akichita says that they have been actually ass- yeah. si- simulating the the possible paths of humanity's future before right. Bernard even got there. So like. I don't know. I don't know how many years have passed since the Sublime opened up and everybody went inside. Can't be too many. I wonder if there will but be it's probably like twenty five ish total years. Because Akicha just said, you know, Bernard's said, come with me. Akicha's like, no, fuck no. I wonder if because because he also implied that not every host is interested in this kind of stuff. Sure. I wonder if there is a core of hosts in the Sublime that are working on this project that might help Bernard if Could the be. Sublime were to open. Um, if he would have allies that would be willing to fight uh, on humanity's side, the way there were humans that were fighting for the hosts. Um, what did he do with the terminal, with that halo? I assume he took it with him, but maybe he doesn't I don't remember him carrying it again. It. Yeah, you're right. Maybe he just doesn't think he's going to need it again. Like, he's going to die at the end of this, and okay. if he fails, then fuck it. I mean, that's fine. It wouldn't lead to, you know, any, any data mm. retrieval by their enemies or their opponents because he's got mm. the key in his head so still, yeah so they couldn't decrypt it still but yeah now they weird. get his marble out of his head all bets are off oh yeah yeah that's where the, yeah. the good stuff that's is. where i also think if, if Stubbs was working for the man in black they would just grab him cut his head off <laughs> right why key, this subterfuge right? yeah yeah like any, at any time they just pull the marble out of his head but how do you trick a man who's clairvoyant well, also, I said you, also, you attack if, him while he's in there running simulation. Yes, yes, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, why would they wait for him to come out? So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see All right, how it goes. now we're done. Yeah, now we're it. done. I've already done the outro. We'll mm-hmm. see you guys next week.